Busy day today? Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Right. Good. Did you get a workout in today? Uh, does does uh, shoveling snow count? Absolutely. That then is I got a workout. Work in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes <laughs> on the shovel. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can get a backache if you don't stretch on that one. <laughs> yeah, totally. Worked out my arms. Good. Good. Glad to hear. Um, yeah. How's the day been otherwise? Has it been good? Yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, great, actually. How about you? You know what? It's been busy. I don't know. I'm, it's one of those days where you're trying to catch up to everything, and you're holding on, but uh, mm -hmm. it'll get through. We'll get through yeah. this. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. I'm excited to have you. This is exciting. Oh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so grateful to be here, Zach. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, Venetia, to get started, I know you sent me the bio, but for the listeners, what exactly have you done in your life and what are you currently doing, which is exciting, but for the listeners, what is it? So I, um, I founded Terminator Foundation. So that's sort of, a, that's pretty much what I do full time. Um, and then I also, um, I do coaching and consulting as well um for groups or individuals and uh speaking uh do a little writing yeah yeah now where did you come up with the name terminator because i love it <laughs> <laughs> thanks well um driving one day to the grocery store and i needed a name because uh we just all we all we were really calling it was like the youth addiction awareness stuff right and i'm like i can't can't be calling it that mm -hmm. and so i heard it on the radio one day they were talking about the next terminator movie and you know you know when you you know in in life like you you just you have those moments where you just you hear something and you may have heard it a million times before you know what i mean but you hear it and it's like it just it comes alive inside of you and that was hearing that that day terminator came alive inside of me and it just it felt like in that moment it just encompassed everything that i felt about the foundation everything i felt about terminator foundation sure. it encompassed it all and so that's how i got the name well and it's such a powerful name as well right? <clears throat> yeah yeah and um well, hasta la vista, baby, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, um, now, what exactly does the foundation do? So obviously youth awareness and uh, on, on drugs primarily, is that what it is? And recovery? Yeah, it's, we're like, we are, we're, we're, our, you know, it's a recovery platform. Um, and so our, my elevator speech or speech is, uh, you know, it's a, a program for individuals that are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. And we use the sport of triathlon. We use athletics as a vehicle, as a therapeutic modality to help strengthen their recovery, help bridge, you know, mm -hmm. into recovery, or if they've been relapsed, you know, or struggling or anything like that, just to strengthen their overall recovery like just to be a part of that journey with them what is the age you're seeing or the youngest age you're seeing of 
individuals coming into programs or seeking out a program? What, what's at an early age? Uh, well, truthfully, we just received an application not that long ago for a 14-year-old. So, so 14 all the way up to um, 44 we've had. I mean, think about when I was younger at 14 or 15 or 16, you know, you, you can hang out with the wrong crowds or you can end up in places you shouldn't be. How, is it usually the 14-year-old that says, hey, I mean, I'm not where I want to be in life. This is not the right decisions. Or is it um, a guardian that says, you need to go to a program. You know, I honestly, Zach, I think, I think nowadays, I think, I think we're, it has, it has really escalated mm -hmm. and our, our 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds are really struggling yeah. there. It's, it's, I would call it a crisis it's been a crisis for a while, but, and then COVID has just sort of heightened that. Um, I think that, I mean, where Terminator comes in as, I mean, we are at the same time, we are all about intervention and prevention. And so, you know, I think, I think in the coming, in the coming times, we are going to see more 14, 15 and 16 year olds entering the program just because of where we're at today. For sure. Do you, the do you, pressure. Think, it's, do you think it's, um, when, when we look at the pandemic, and it's obviously amplified a lot of things emotionally, mentally for all mm -hmm. ages. Mm -hmm. What is it that the youth are, or what's happening to the youth through the mm -hmm. pandemic? Is it because, again, they're not with their friends, they're, cooked up at home, virtual learning. What, what is it about that's causing them to end up where they're ending up lately? I think, um, <clears throat> like, I think the isolation, right? We, we, we're not able to connect, right? Like just with, just totally just what COVID has done. Yeah right you can't you can't see people we've been restricted from seeing people we've been restricted from touching we've yeah. been restricted from connecting we've been we've been shut down been locked up we've been shut down we've been mandated we've been mm -hmm. held back we've, it's not natural yeah even you the know, emotions right when you wear a mask yeah. you can't see no you can't we can't even yeah you know you're not supposed to touch you're supposed to, even your own family, you know what I mean? Like, so I think it's, <clears throat> we're going to be seeing the fallout from this for years and years to come. Mm -hmm. I do, I do worry about the future and I'm sure there will be studies saying what, mm -hmm. what just happened here? Cause it's not, okay, now the restrictions are lifted or mandates are gone. Mm -hmm. um, everything's back to normal. Cause I think there's a psychological damage done here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not just yeah. on the adolescents, but I think adults as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree, hundred mm -hmm. mm percent. -hmm. Yeah. When when you look at children ending up into these programs, is it usually marijuana that's the gateway, or cannabis that's the gateway? I mean, I th I think a lot of times it's 
you know, marijuana is sort of looked at as like the lesser of the, of all the evils, you know what I mean? It's the, and especially now with it being legalized and things like that, it's, well, can't be that bad. It's legal. Right. And so I think, I think with our kids and I think with this generation, I think it, it, um, it's it's the, it's a non-threatening, it comes across like a very non-threatening um, vice, you know, and, but is it the gateway? You know, a lot of people would argue that trauma is the gateway, yeah. you know, that pain's the gateway. Disconnection is the gateway. I think, you know, I, I think for people in general, not even just our kids and our youth and stuff like that, I think, <clears throat> You know, we just, you know, we, there's anxiety, there's social anxiety, there's all the stuff that we feel as just humans. And if we haven't learned to talk about our emotions or how to even, even just to know it's okay to feel these emotions, to feel this way to learn to express ourselves and to learn how to just how do I even manage just being human you know what I mean without feeling like I need to I don't I don't like how it makes me feel or you know what I mean and stuff like that and then you know we we get out into the world and you know we get hurt we get abused we get knocked down we get bullied we get a little trampled on and this, this starts as soon as we start connecting with other humans, right? And then, you know, you're, because, it, you know, our kids nowadays too at a younger and younger ages are experimenting with things that make them feel better, whether that's marijuana, because it's, it's very accessible. It's not as freaky of a drug to try, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think when our kids try that, I mean, it takes the pressure off, you know? And so I think it, it just is an almost like a natural, wow. Like, it's like, oh, wow, this actually feels better. It's like, it's like people that have a drink after work to take the edge off. Why do we do that? Because we've got this edge. And, and the only way we've learned how to take this edge off is by knocking back a couple of drinks. Is that a social norm or a cultural thing? Or is it, I don't know. Because you can unlearn that habit and unfuck yourself on that habit because I was there. Right? Yeah, you know, it's, me uh, too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost, yeah, it's almost 500 days for me. And it's been nice, you know. Awesome. I, um, there's peace. Yeah. yeah. You still have to deal with life's problems. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You got to figure it out and start running away. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's exactly. I think like, honestly, I think that's exactly, these are the exactly the conversations that we need to be having Mm -hmm. with all our people. You know what I mean? Whatever my circle is, whatever your circle is, whatever, you know, Joe across the street, his circle is like, we all need to enter in this conversation because you're, you're absolutely right. Like I've been sober a long time now too. And I think it's one of the most badass things I've ever freaking done with my life because I show up every day sober. 
if I'm on edge, I have to, I've had to figure out how to relieve the edge without alcohol, mm. without any substance use or abuse, you know what I mean? Or even other forms of unhealthy habits, you know, where I'm just like, no, you're figure out what the edge is and deal with it. Yeah. Figure out what the anxiety is and deal with it. Talk about it. Do like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, do the work. Saying, let, let's go, let's go grab a beer. Oh, it's been yeah. one of those days. Let's grab a beer, but you know what? Good day or bad day. Let's go grab a beer, right? It was always around. You could always have a drink. Yeah. I thought I celebrated like I, I could like, if I got all my laundry done, I would have a glass of wine and celebrate oh, yeah. that. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I found any reason to drink, like it, you know, it got to the point where I didn't even, you know, I'm, a, I'm alive. I'm drinking today. Like exactly. it wasn't even, yeah. shit know. didn't happen. Let's just drink <laughs> totally. yeah. until you did drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you start, you know, I mean, not for everybody. Some people can enjoy alcohol, but for me, mm -hmm. you know, it got you into some dark thoughts and paths and me too. I mean, and the regrets of what you say sometimes or do or your actions and um, yeah. yeah, you know, you have to keep apologizing for certain things. It's not worth it, you know, and that's no. kind of comes with the peace that mm -hmm. you find in it think you find your you start building on your self-esteem that's another yes yeah. yeah well and I think you know what else is so beautiful too is I think you start it if you if you do really put in the work and the effort you start to you know discover things about yourself that you you never thought possible or you never yeah. imagined were there like you become this full human and in and you learn to embrace the whole human experience of being human and having all those emotions and you know you're just the spiritual component and like all of it it's just 100 you're fully really, alive exactly you know? and it got really bad for me and when i finally stopped i said holy smokes i can start feeling my face again and you can smile and you're like oh that's a interesting feeling your hands there's you can touch you know you become so numb to a lot of things and mm -hmm. and, and then that's a vicious circle right and that mm -hmm. cycle doesn't mm -hmm. stop unless you stop and that habit's hard because you could say oh i'm not going to drink tomorrow but you would do it the next day you know it's yeah. just happening and um yeah. you know i hope people can feel the peace that we are feeling mm -hmm. me sure too. the world has its problems we have our problems but on that surface we can take care of ourselves right there's mm -hmm. some sort of stability there mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. emotions are not like a roller coaster anymore yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. how many absolutely. years has it been for you that you've been sober uh it'll be nine years uh this spring congrats yeah, yeah. thank you yeah <laughs> it's been uh Honestly, it's, I'm so grateful for my sobriety. Like it's, it's been the best thing. That's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. yeah. What made you say I need to get sober in my life and change it? Cause it's not over, you know, weeks or months of that decision. It was, you had to go. It's like, I need to do this for me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's sort of a two part answer. Like I, um, cause I, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Here in and, Calgary, in Calgary, um, way up north, 
I oh. actually grew up way up north. Yes. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Uh, well, I was born in Kamloops, BC, but then I grew up in uh, Fort St. John and Dawson Creek. Oh, BC. wow. Okay. So that's all you do is drink up there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much yeah work hard and drink right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and so like I you know by the time I was 18 mm -hmm. um I went into AA for the first time and so and I actually almost they almost kicked me out of AA back then because I mean this is a lot of years ago now and it was it was unheard of to be 18 and an alcoholic. It was like, the, you know, what the hell are you doing here? What do you what, know about what happened? <laughs> well, then someone stood, stood up for me. Yeah, that's good. So an old timer, because everyone was like, get, like, get, get out of here, kid. Yeah. Like, and this old timer um, stood up for me and basically just, you know, he said, I vote she stays and he slammed his hand down on the table and he's like so she stays and and I stayed and so I and then I stayed sober for years I was sober for years and it, it saved my life if he know? hadn't done that and if he hadn't oh. would he have gone back out probably because there was nothing else there's no you support I mean? system there was no other you didn't even talk about this stuff back then you know what I mean so it was like if you couldn't get into the rooms of AA mm -hmm. you're dead and honestly my drinking like I was full-blown alcoholic at that time was it we evenings? just didn't talk were you about binge? it like were you been drinking or was it just uh binge and then I was you know it was getting to the point where if I could drink every day I would you know it was you know it was like beer and stuff back then because mm -hmm. you know I could order it to my apartment in the cab and he wouldn't question my ID, yeah, right? So, you know, and then I had an older boyfriend at the time that could get alcohol. Oh, nice. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's great. So the, the older gentleman kept you in the program or gave you that window of opportunity. Yeah. And I think those are those little guardian angels that we have. Yes, and I, I've had a few of those mm -hmm. in my life and they have literally, they, they have, They've been like divine intervention yeah. for me that these were pivotal moments in my life where it literally changed the trajectory of my life. And I went in a totally different direction because of them. And that was that one of those experiences. And then, you know, I get into life and I get married and I'm having kids and I, I dealt with all my childhood, you trauma. know, trauma and things like that. And so I got to a place in my life, long story short, where I just thought I'm normal. I'm normal mm -hmm. and you know because everybody wants to be normal you know and I thought well maybe I'm not really an alcoholic like maybe I just drank like that because of how I grew you're, up and, and you're young and I was young you know I'm, I'm like maybe maybe you know maybe I can be like a normal social drinker now and so and so I how, was. how many years were you sober till that point uh I think like seven seven or wow. so okay yeah so like quite a while yeah. like for being a young person back then especially 18 and, years I mean when you're that young those are the drinking years so that's well totally yeah impressive. but I mean I started my drinking at 12 so I'd had oh. I'd <laughs> had a lot of drinking years <laughs> I was uh, I was a pro but you, you, you had the head 18. start yeah. I had a head start that's yeah funny. yeah and so yeah and then and then you know I I did I was sort of I guess you could say socially drinking mm -hmm. I would only have like 
maybe a glass of wine once or twice a year. And I thought, wow, I'm normal. I'm not really an alcoholic. Holy smokes, look at me go. Mm -hmm. And then trauma hit again. My marriage collapsed. Like, and it was unbelievably traumatizing. And then I started having a glass of wine every night after the kids were in bed to take the edge off, to, to help cope with the trauma. And like, literally it was like a tsunami had hit our home, my marriage. It was ugly. And it was just a and, glass of wine? Yeah. And I, I honestly, Zach, like I would have, I, I mean, okay, I'll be totally, it was like a goblet. <laughs> <laughs> but it was qualified as a glass okay perfect yeah and it was so I would have my goblet of wine every night and then pretty soon one you know because you build up a tolerance and one glass wasn't enough to you know have that soft warm blanket feel right and and then I'd start and then it was two glasses before I knew it I was drinking a bottle of wine every day you know, and I, I justified it. I minimized it. I, you know, yeah. And then, and then it took me to the very edge of my life. Um, year, like, cause I, I went, I drank for years then and, uh, to the point where, and then I tried to quit on my own, like secretively lots of times. And I never could, I, I'd always end up relapsing. And, uh, finally got to the point one night I was, I was going to kill myself mm -hmm. and uh, and then I just I another had a divine intervention like a spiritual encounter um, with God and I I ended up going I went back to uh, an AA meeting because I didn't know where else to go because you still weren't talking about this stuff publicly really you know Isn't what I mean that odd that we weren't yeah it's sad it's sad yeah. And, and that's now, why I'm so loud and outspoken now because I'm that silence just about killed me. Like it, yes, the drinking was killing me, but it was the silence, the shame of the fact that I was struggling with this alcohol. Like I should know better. You know what I mean? I should, you know, be stronger. I should have better self will. I should have, and it has nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? It's and a so, disease. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, so I, and I've been sober ever since. So yeah, it's, it's all changed for me now too. Like this whole recovery and this whole recovery movement and being sober and, you know, living your recovery out loud and really, you know, embracing our stories, all of it, even the ugly, messy stuff. Like I really have learned to just embrace it all, even what happened in my marriage and the fallout and all the stuff that happened with that and my own kids and where I really um, put my the stake in the ground and got like righteously angry and loud was when my second oldest daughter, Eden, started to struggle with drugs and because it was one thing for me to be you know an alcoholic and stuff like that and feel ashamed about that or that I was somehow less worthy and and things like that but when I started to see my my daughter my beautiful girl my you know smart and funny and the most caring and compassionate person I've ever known in my entire life 
when I started to see her go down that road, you know, and, and the shame, the ridicule, the judgment, that's when I, that's when everything shifted for me when it comes to this sober movement and where I really got loud. Cause I was like, I'll be fucking damned if people start putting her in that place of judgment and ridicule and that she's less of a human. And so that's, that shifted everything for me. And that's when I really started to get bold and just really come out and fight, fight well, you know, for pe- this. People get worried because they, they're afraid of judgment. They're afraid, oh my God, if I'm open, but will I get a job? Will I? Yeah. Will that same social circle be around anymore? I mean, yeah. I bet you when you got sober, your friends left or some of them have disappeared. Well, I lost some. Yeah. I, but, but then some of them too, I, you know, cause you know what this is like, like you, we find people like we, we hang out with people that we, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Uh, misery right? likes company. <laughs> misery likes company. And I drank with a couple of people that drank like me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that I wouldn't be, you know, like, whole evening maybe you should slow down like I didn't want the light shone on me you know what I mean so I drank with people that they wouldn't have, wouldn't have noticed because they're they drank the same you know in in so. tough times now do you still resort to the thoughts of oh my god should I go grab a drink or Mm-mm. you know better no. now yeah. it's just it's so done for me yeah. like that door is closed there's just no there's no desire there's no like even in some of my darkest darkest times in these last like you know almost nine years of being sober and because it the addiction with my daughter got really bad she Mm -hmm. ended up on the street you know she she was homeless she was addicted to heroin fentanyl like it was as was ugly as hell and how old would she have been at this time scary as hell she was uh so eden started using marijuana at about 13, 14. And then she ended up on the streets at like 17, 18, 19. Yeah. Like I thought for sure I was going to be burying her. Thought for sure. She, she overdosed many times. She like, it was, it was hell. It was hell. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you get that. And even all that time, I didn't want to go back drinking. I was like, it was like, it's just done for me. It's, okay. You know, well, you know, when you faced those traumatic moments and those extreme pressures in your own life, mm-hmm. you know, you're really done if you're not even thinking about that stuff. Anymore. Yeah. 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 Um, but it can get you right. So we always have to keep. Well, and that's why, you know, like, and this is even the work that we do with Terminator. And this is, I, I'm always telling our athletes because we call them athletes and, uh, well, they are, know, they, I mean, they are athletes. As soon as they sign on that, that dotted line, they're athletes. They're no longer wear those labels of junkie or, you know what I mean? Loser or none of that stuff. That That's all done. Even the word alcoholic. I mean, sometimes you, it's kind of a Debbie Downer. Yeah, you can be an alcoholic, but you, yeah, you're an athlete. You're trying to yeah, train yourself yeah. to get out of this or better. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, some of the, the work that we do with our athletes is, is, is we do that. We talk about closing those doors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I you know, working in this field for as long as I have now, I just, a lot of times I know like, yeah, we have slips, there's relapses and stuff. But to me, I always, there's, there's a door that we left open somewhere. You know what I mean? So it's about, let's, let's go back and see where we left the door open 
that said it was okay that if this situation happens or this feeling happens, I'm allowed to drink. And it might not even be totally right in your face conscious that you're like, but sometimes it is. And if, if we're really rigorously honest, we usually know when we have some back doors open, you know. What was it? And again, we, if you're okay to talk about this is what led your daughter to end up where she ended up? You know, was it, was it trauma that she, in her own life? Yeah. yeah like most people. Yeah. 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 Well, and then she was, you know, she felt socially awkward and I didn't, I didn't even know that it, as her mom, um, you know, that she was feeling, you know, just that those social pressures at school to fit in, to be pretty, yeah. uh, to be liked, yeah. to be accepted, you That's know, a big one. acceptance. Yeah. It's huge. And just, you know, the jostling, you know, how kids and teenagers, just that jostling that they do, they're all trying to find their way, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times they don't even know how to navigate that in a healthy way, you know, and so I, there was some of that stuff going on for her. And then, you know, just like how it is with, you know, how we would say that, oh, that's just regular teenage experimenting, you know what I mean? She tried marijuana and she was like, you know, wow, this, I feel better. I don't feel so awkward. I don't feel so insecure. I don't feel so like, yeah, like Mm. socially awkward and unacceptable. You know what I mean? So it it sort of fixed it. So why not do it again? And, and it kind of, and then it just sort of progressed from there. And then she had a really horrible experience happen at a, party um and then it just flipped a switch and her drug use just took off from there yeah and honestly Eden would even tell you herself like if if uh if you were to ask her oh well like you know did you know you were going to do fentanyl did you know you were going to cross she would have said no way in hell she would have been like like there's no way I'll ever get that back there's no way I would ever do that or that or that but then it's progressive, right? The li- right. lines get crossed, lines get blurred, stuff happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the listeners, you have a book out. What made you yeah. say, I'm going to create a book and uh, become an author and share a story? And, uh, you know, I've started looking into it, and it's a pretty remarkable book, I must say. Holy smokes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Um, putting it out there and being vulnerable because that's not easy. Yeah, no, it it wasn't. Uh, It it took me almost five years to write that book because I had to take breaks (laughs) from myself. Was there parts in it where when you're writing this, you're like, okay, never mind. Because five years is a time period where you're saying, actually, you know what? I'm not going to do this book. I don't want to. I don't want to share this. Or I do. I don't. Yeah, no, once I, like, honestly, like, for years, I had people telling me, you should write a book, you should write a book. Have you ever thought of writing a book, Venetia? Oh, Venetia, you should write a book. And it took, it took a long time for me to believe that I could write a book and, and I really should do it. And then once I finally kind of made that leap or that decision that, okay, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. 
and I sat down and, you know, started to write the book. It, um, then there was just no going back, but it, it did take a long time. And I had, again, some significant, you know, divine pivotal moments of just people really, you know, believing in me and like, you know, just pushing me to get to the finish line. You know, it's like a freaking marathon, you know what I mean? Where you hit those walls, those mm -hmm. mental walls. And then I just, you know, I had some, some cheers, you know, that were just like, keep going, Venetia, keep going. And it just, it helped me get it, just get it over to the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has been some of the feedback that you've received from the book? Oh, um, or what about this? The feedback to yourself? What is that? Well, writing the books totally set me free. It, uh, it was incredibly healing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's one of the things I'm probably most proud of. And then just the feedback, the reviews, the, you know, the private messages I've received from people have uh, it's been uh, just like all worth it. All the, you know, all the, just knowing that, you know, the story has the power and the ability to help another person help someone else to know that they're not alone you know that yeah it's powerful it's I'm just uh blown away <laughs> you know a lot of these reviews I I see them I read them I just like cry just break down crying because I'm so like I sometimes still can't even believe what I'm reading I can't even believe what I'm reading like someone's review and how much my book, my story impacted their life or transformed their life or let them know that they weren't alone or this is what I needed to get through. I finally feel seen. I, you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, mm -hmm. wow, wow. Like, Being vulnerable what, what is scary. Being vulnerable is scary. Were you afraid yeah. that people were going to judge you or, or how did you get <laughs> over that hump? Well, that's where, that's where my, um, you know, like that's where my people came in, right? Because I, yeah, I was freaking terrified of out of course. my mind. Yeah, this is your life story. This is, yeah, a, well, a part of your life story. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was scary as hell. Like I, you know, so the first few people I gave the book to before it was published live, you know, I was just like, huh, like sick, just waiting for that feedback. Cause I honestly, Zach, like, when I, even when I first started writing, I didn't even know if I was even a, am, am I even a writer? Like, yeah. can, can I even, am I even writing? Like, is this, is this what a book is supposed yeah. to even look like, you know? And then to even get that feedback and just like, you know, like, wow, I couldn't even put it down. Venetia. I read it in one sitting or I read, I've never read a whole book in my life. And I just read your whole book and, you know, and just having the people that are my people just be like, you know, crying on the other end of the phone and just so proud of me and, and just like, so, you know, honored, like to be in my life. Like it just was, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. 
in the next year or two, where do you hope the Terminator Foundation is? National. Yeah. Yeah. Totally national. We started going national uh, last year. And I hope we are like really have some of the uh, some chapters in different places across Canada. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. sure. In regards to prevention, though, just before I know we got to get going here, but in regards to prevention, you know, you, you go to school and they'll say, don't do drugs, kids. No shit. We know that. <laughs> Just like when yeah. you said Eden, you know, did she know she was going to do that? No, nobody knows. Right. Yeah. So what are ways that the Terminator Foundation is looking at finding tactics of prevention? So, um, you know how the Terry Fox run, right, is in all the schools across Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to get the Terminator run for youth addiction awareness in all the schools across Canada. I want to implement our 12-week program um as you know how we have basketball volleyball like you'll you know what i mean and things i would like to see that as a as a a form of prevention intervention for you know our ages 12 up to 18 right have two separate programs in the schools you know turn it into sort of like an addiction mental health awareness week along with the run where we can have you know professionals and experts and things and we can look at ways of educating our parents and stuff like that even offering support to the teachers around this because they're freaking they're in over their heads with this stuff you know what I mean like I've heard from teachers and stuff what they're dealing with when it comes to addiction and mental health and it's like they're they're drowning. Our, our families are drowning. Our teachers are drowning. Like we, we seriously need to get, you know, into the schools. And because even in all my years of dealing with this and, and working in this area, pretty much I'd say 95% of people that we work with mm-hmm. that are in their twenties, thirties, and forties, when did you first start using? Well, I was 13. I was 14. I was 15. What are we doing? Right? We need to we need to be educating earlier and we need to be offering supports to families earlier. Like no. yeah. Is there a stigma still? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the other thing that Terminator is uh terminating is that stigma. Yeah, as yeah, cheesy no. as that is. Yeah, it's true though. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. No. Well, thank you yeah. so much for your time today, Venetia. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, Zach, thank you so much. Yeah.